Welcome to Dragon Talk. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined once again by my lovely co-host... Trevor Kidd. Hi, Trevor. Oh, it's not Trevor. <laughs> Hashtag not Trevor. Hashtag not Trevor. You're back. Shelly's back. What's going on? You know, just hanging. Yeah? yeah. Scared about snow? Scared about the snow. I'm not really a fan of that. Yeah. Well, we're recording on a, on, on a Monday here, so there's some time traveling happening, and there may be some snow in the Seattle area. I'm sure by the time everyone listens, it's fine. Everything it's gonna, was fine. No, it's apocalypse. Stop it. Snow apocalypse. We don't even know what's happening outside. Aren't you curious? Don't you want to open the door and it, look out the window? There's probably like a locust There's plague. probably nobody even left in the building. No, they're all gone. They've been like, where are they? So I heard a story because, you know, it was like surprise snow this morning in yeah. some neighborhoods. Not really in our neighborhood. Not really, no. But in the neighborhood of Ballard, I heard that somebody was driving, and she lost control of her car, and so she decided to jump out. <laughs> she <abandoned laughs> She jumped out of her and, like, car. like, rolled? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how fast she was going, but, of course, like, her car kept going and hit a bunch of cars. Like but you I, do. Look, I wasn't. I wasn't anywhere near Ballard because I heard the story, and I was <laughs> this like, wasn't you. oh, my God, that okay. totally sounds like me. <laughs> Would, you just bail. <laughs> I would just lose. I would just panic. Like, I don't know what to do here. I mean, we're laughing. What did I learn? When you're out of an in and out of the control car, it's very terrifying. I've I would a, want to jump out of it. Yeah, I, I've been in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not fun. But uh, well, we're safe. <sighs> I'm gonna be and a we're little here. distracted now. I think thinking about this. All right. Well, in the meantime, we'll get some uh, hot cocoa and uh, get our interview on. With okay. uh, uh, Jeffrey Zatkin and Dimitri from Experiment 7. Yeah. They're a VR developer that's making the amazing dungeon chess game uh, where you can go in and play. And then we're going to hear all about it from them. Uh, the pieces that they, they're they talking about sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like gold dragons and mind flares and beholders playing on a chessboard. It's amazing. As they do. Yeah. yeah. Like they do in the world. So let They me all ask play you. on a chessboard. Do you understand VR? Like, do you get it? Do you understand how it works? Does it just make sense to I you? I believe it's like a like it's not like a actual reality. It's more like a virtual reality. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty okay. sure. Is that it? I'm pretty sure. You put it on your head, and then it transforms you, you into understand. a Voltron like you know type character. You know how to like move things around and what you see and how it works and everything. Oh. You just get it. Is that what you're saying? I think a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there is like a disconnect you have when you're used to uh, uh, controlling a avatar in a video game. Mm-hmm. That like, oh, I understand positioning and camera movements and things like that. That's actually when I try to show Aaron how to play uh, my wife how to play World of Warcraft. Yeah, uh, this is for an article. It was for research. It was not voluntary, but she agreed to be like, I'll do this for 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 an article. Uh, but that was the thing that she couldn't grasp was yeah. movement and uh, camera and the fact that the camera was independent of your movement. And uh, so I imagine that same disconnect would happen with VR if someone doesn't have any experience with doing that kind of thing, yep. that it's still going to be hard, maybe even harder because it's it's also disorientating. Yeah. And you're not just looking at a screen. You're looking at only things that are in your headset. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. It's all weird to me. Um, but you get, I mean, like anything, you get used to it. You can learn and teach your, teach yeah. your brain how to do it. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited about uh, the possibilities there. And uh, uh, I remember talking to Jeffrey uh, at our uh, licensing congress. And he's a big D&D guy. So I, know. I can't wait to hear I all the stories. I like those guys. They were good. Yeah. Good people. Good peeps. All right. Well, good. All right. Uh, what's going on otherwise with Dungeons and & Dragons and or Avalon Hill? Um, there's I, – I can't tell you. Oh, there's lots of secrets happening. There's so many secrets. There really are. 
That's what's so crazy is that we try to like play it cool, but there are so many secrets going it's on so right good. now. So good. It's just it's so good. That's all I can say. All right. Well, eventually people will know soon what is soon secret and good. Yep. Um, you have secrets too. Tales from the Yawning Portal. Not a secret. It's not a secret anymore. We're talking about it. Seven adventures packaged into one volume. Uh, updated with new art, new uh, graphic design, up to today's standards. So some of the older uh, adventures, of course, have been done in different editions, but we're taking all the old uh, uh, first edition of these adventures and uh, repackaging them for fifth edition stats, uh, as well as, like I said, new art and new maps. Beautiful. Yeah, Mike Schley uh, and others did some great uh, cartography. Um, And uh, actually, I think uh, maybe next week or the week before this, we're going to talk to... Um, uh, Kate Irwin and Amy Tanji about uh, what it was like doing the art for Tales from the Portal. So that'll be exciting. They're always good. We will crack their brains open and spill out mind nuggets. And then put them back. And then put them back together. They need them. As you are a mind flayer. That's what you do. Right. Yeah. A good good aligned mind flayer. They're rare. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Neutral? Neutral? Neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly good. I try. But if you haven't played any of these uh, adventures, uh, Shelley, uh, we've been doing some Lore You Should Know segments on them uh, to give you some some tidbits. Okay, uh, good. And uh, we have one coming up from Matt Cernet. Oh. So let's uh, find out some Sounds good. things from there. Okay. All right, let's talk to Matt. Welcome to another fantastic segment of Lore You Should Know. Uh, I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Lore Master Matt Cernet. Howdy. How goes it? Pretty good. Sweet. Uh, Today we're going to talk uh, about a topic uh, that was suggested by a Twitter user by the name of Buddy Unger, uh, at Veritable20. Thank you so much for, uh, he had a bunch of of ideas, but today we're going to talk about the Moonshade Isles. And uh, if you have any other new topics for Lori Chanel, you might want to us to go into. Be, be, feel free to uh, message me at Greg Tito with uh, with some topics, and we'll make sure to get to him. Uh, meh, I don't know, not necessarily soon, but you know, in the next few months. <laughs> uh, always good to to know what people want to know more about. Uh, so yeah, Moonshade Isles. Uh, uh, they're a region, uh, I guess, in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, what can you tell us about them, Matt? It's a pretty cool area. The it's approximately um, east of Waterdeep, basically, and it's analogous to the British Isles in many ways. Oh, uh, really? But sort of a mm, post-fall of Camelot kind of Dark Ages version of the British Isles. Oh, okay, so they're like a lot of tumultuous wars between kings as one or two of them start to assert themselves, that kind of thing? Yes, and there are different nations and so on. So at least that's how it sort of started out. So Douglas Niles uh, wrote um, FR2, which is one of the first expansion books for uh, Forgotten Realms, and that's called just simply Moonshay. And he also wrote the novel series that takes place there, um, starting out with Dark Walker on Moonshay. And that's uh, a series called the, the um, let's see, I think it's the Moonshay Trilogy. Uh, and then there's, I think, a follow-on trilogy after that. But that basically tells the events of, of this first 
um, the, the, the characters that you're introduced to and sort of what is largely thought of as sort of the main storyline of the Moonshays, Isles, and um, that character. And that's where we kind of get the idea that it's sort of Camelot after the fall. There's a number of buildings and um, uh, places and, and uh, sort of mystical um, locations that are uh, a type a, of architecture that they can't really do anymore. Uh, there are... Um, I mean, they're like the, the technology for creating them is, is kind of lost, kind of like a classics? Yeah, and so one, hmm, rewinding a little bit, one of the things about the Moonshades is, that's really fantastic about the Moonshades, is that they have essentially a religion that is not necessarily monotheistic, but pretty close. And they're pretty close-minded about uh, other religions and other peoples. So the Moonshays uh, and the, the, the what's called the folk uh, are, with two Fs, uh, so it's kind of hard not to emphasize folk. <laughs> <laughs> they, they worship uh, the Earth Mother, and she has various... Uh, Helpers and, that help protect the island and the folk, uh, which include uh, a unicorn, um, which might have a special name that I'm forgetting, uh, the Leviathan, which is this big giant whale, a uh, pack of wolves, uh, these sort of mystical moon wolves kind of things that run around. And, and it's a religion that's kind of based upon ideas of druidism. Um, there are these things called moon wells that are all over the island, and they are sort of these portals through which the people can communicate with uh, the Earth Mother. And, um, and so there's, there's a, in the storyline of the, the novels, there's this like special magical sword that they use then to uh, fight and kill what ultimately is uh, an aspect of Baal, um, oh, okay. the god of murder. But in this story and in this, this sort of setting, he takes the form of this um, sort of bestial giant thing. Uh, and what's fa fantastic about it is it's kind of like the story about uh, King Arthur going in and finding Excalibur, going and defeating the bad guy, and then losing Excalibur. Mm. And so basically these people are, there, there was the, these great, this great kingdom before them. They kind of lost touch with that and, and gained contact with this sort of Earth Mother religion, uh, and then when they're recalled upon to sort of save the world and 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 um, you know reclaim their kingdom and and you know sort of uh, assert their rights to the lands again, basically the King Arthur figure uh, whose name I'm forgetting at the moment um, gets Excalibur but then loses it right like they 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 really don't get to reassert their control over the kingdom anymore. It remains this sort of Dark Ages-like setting um, in the, the shadow of, of Camelot. Uh, to the north, there's the, the Northmen. That's part of the novels as well, and especially the, the second trilogy. Um, and they're very much like a Viking-like people that are invading. Um, and there's uh, islands that are inhabited by giants off on the other side. So that's very much, again, akin to sort of British myths of... Um, you know the the in the north and uh, there are this like or Celtic myths I should say of, mm -hmm. of giants in the north uh, kind of a thing uh, and then that's the sort of general state of things for a while fourth edition how does before we, we move on there how does the uh, Earth Mother fit into the 
you know, Forgotten Realms pantheon? Like, do we, do, is there an analogous to one a goddess that we know? Well, or? so the there's a, there's a in second and third edition there was definitely an, a desire to kind of like um, shrink the number of deities and religions and so on the Forgotten Realms to make it sort of more comprehensible for play. And so that's sort of the the how the sausage is made aspect of of, of what happened. And so there was it was basically a direct parallel that was drawn between the Earth Mother and Shantea, which is the um, standard of Grant Realms uh, goddess of sort of bounty and the harvest and that kind of a thing. Uh, when you look at the two deities and and how they're depicted and what they do and uh, how they affect the people's lives of their worshippers and so on, it's completely different. And so it's a lot more like how, if you think about it in, in, in world terms, when the Romans would go to, say, um, well, I'll take Britain because they went to Britain, and they would invade, and the local people would have, Celtic people would have some uh, goddess of uh, uh, a pond or you know someplace where they could get fresh water or something like that, yeah. river, that kind of a thing. Uh, well, they would, the Romans wouldn't say, that's stupid, your god's dumb. They'd say, oh, that's just like our god so-and-so. It must be, and then they'd just start saying the same name. It would be so-and-so plus so-and-so, and they'd just say the names together, and then they would also worship there. I got and it. And so they would just sort of adopt the deity as the same deity. Got it. Uh, and over time, um, you know, the cultures, they're kind of blended to, you know, there was an acceptance of those those two religions, essentially. Right. And the Romans and the Greeks did the same thing right. by having gods that were similar, mostly in, in domains, uh, but, right. but might have different names. Uh, and uh, and that you think that was kind of how, how yeah, and uh, so I, Douglas I think Niles if, thought if about you, it. If you think about, like, well, I, th- I think Douglas Niles definitely had the idea that Earth Mode was something separate. Uh, but Oh, okay. Later editions basically, you know, attached Shantea to it and made Shantea basically the same thing as the Earth Mother and made it kind of just an aspect of her that where she did something different over there for some reason. Right. And I think that, that if you look at how the people in the world would look at it, it would be more like we are all pantheists and the people who do get to come over to the Moonshays and trade with them and stay with them for a while would say, oh, that's just like Shantea. Um, when in fact the people of the Moonshay Isles don't agree at all. No, <laughs> you know, we got have it. the Earth Mother. Right. We've got a giant freaking Leviathan whale that protects our <laughs> island. That, where does you know? Shantae, That's not part of Shantae's yeah, story. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't gather corn and get a whale, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, okay. it's a very different um, sort of. And and the the sort of the moonshades themselves are very mystical. Uh, there's there's a lot of um, uh, kind of the sense that it's this. Um, more sort of old world religion, um, uh, strange spirits in the forest, that kind mm. of a thing. It also sounds like, I mean, this is this is touching on something that, that our listeners may not know, but that the Forgotten Realms was fleshed out by Ed Greenwood, and he had a lot of the maps, and he had things going. But during that time in the 80s, and I, I learned this from talking to, to Bob Salvatore, um, you know, they kind of just were like, oh, here's an area. We don't really know what's going on there. You know, make it up. And it sounds like that's what Douglas Niles did with the Moonshay, where it was like, do do something that you're excited about. It's still within the Forgotten Realms. It still has the same, you know, overarching themes, but the specifics were kind of just created by by one author. That yes, that is absolutely correct. And you know, with Douglas Niles, he he wrote the the source book and the novels that were set there. So he really set the tone for the whole area. And right. um, and then so moving on to say uh, fourth edition. Fourth edition uh, changed um, a lot throughout the Forgotten Realms, and in the Moonshays, the main difference would be that uh, 
it was sort of a, a, a two-pronged approach. One, there was the idea that people of Am, which is like this uh, oligarchy of um, merchant princes and stuff like that, uh, they had a foothold in the island and started kind of taking over territory. And then the other thing was that one of the main islands that was sort of a, a mystical, strange island um, was basically invaded from uh, the Feywild uh, by um, super magical elfy fey people oh, okay. and other fey creatures. And that's still true in 5th edition. There is still that Amnian settlement that has sort of dominated the local populace on one island and there's still this one mystical island that is uh, controlled by strange fey beings and a fey queen and, and stuff like that. It's sort of a don't-go-there thing. There's also an island that has a lot of uh, uh, lycanthropes on it, werewolves in particular, uh, and that is um, more sort of dominated by Malar. The, a number of the moon wells, these, these portals to uh, the Earth Mother um, have been poisoned and so they're they're called dark wells, and so mm. they're you know no longer functional and things like that. Um, Do they go to the uh, uh, Shadowfell instead of the well? They're, the they're Feywild? not they're not necessarily literal gateways in any. any they're they're, they're oh, more see. or portals in that sense. They're yeah. they're more sort of ways of, of accessing um, powers and that kind of a thing. Okay, how many uh, how many Moonshay Isles are there? Ooh, a ton. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like saying how many how many Isles islands are there in Britain. I mean. There's there are the major islands, uh, and then there are just tons of little archipelagos, right, like, and the tiny Arca- little like the Orkneys, and, and, yeah, and all that, right, that kind of okay, stuff. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, okay, and so the, so the major ones, uh, uh, which one of those are the ones that you de- you're describing? It's the the one with the Amnian settlement, the one with the yeah. The, so there's the Koran Archipelago, there's Moray, there's I think it's called. Sarifal, uh, and then I'm blanking on the main one, and I don't have it up on my computer right now. In front of me. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, so uh, this archipelago of islands uh, doesn't seem like it has like one unifying culture, really. Even though it, there are threads that go through all of it. Yeah, I mean, the the main two cultures are uh, with that that have the largest populations really are um, sort of the the folk uh, and they're on Alaron that's the, the island and uh, the sort of Northlanders who are in the um, let's see that's the is that the coronar Archipelago? I think that's no they're in Norland that's a different um, island and and they were the Viking type right race where did they emigrate from Ooh, that's a long story. <laughs> so, uh, and literally within the history of the Forgotten Realms, uh, the sort of the people called the Northlanders have been out in the water on the islands uh, off the coast, living this sort of Viking-like lifestyle mm. for centuries. Um, and uh, they they originally came because because uh, humanity kind of moves into the north. Um, after a long period um, from of being elsewhere, and, and at this point we're talking about way, way, way back when, um, before the Elven empires, and you know, I mean, that that uh, it's the North is the North because it is less explored by humans. It has been explored by many other races and lived in many other races in the past, like mm-hmm. the Elves, the Giants, Dragons, um, the Saruk, and so on. 
but a lot of those empires have, that have risen in the past have fallen. In addition, uh, there are kingdoms of humanity that have risen and fallen in uh, the north. And so it's this sort of realm that has um, is kept wild essentially by all the disasters that keep on happening there. And, and the Northlanders were up there way back when, and they've been up and down the, the coast and the, the sort of the north along the Sea of Swords and that kind of thing for a long time. Okay. Um, you mentioned 5th uh, edition and what the current state is uh, of these realms. Is that also where the Emerald uh, Circle? Emerald Enclave? Emerald Enclave, yes. I was going to say Conclave. So the Emerald wrong. Enclave is an organization that definitely would have some sort of connections with people in the Moonshase. But in general, the Emerald Enclave is a, a group that um, worships sort of elements of what's called the First Circle. And that is the idea that there are druid circles, which are um, groups of druids that have perhaps rangers attached to them and so on, that uh, practice their religion in various places. They've been doing this for you know maybe a thousand years or that kind of a thing. And um, these are gods like Oral and Sylvanas and um, Myleki and uh, even Talos, the storm god, and Umberly, the sea god, and so on and so forth, very sort of elemental forces. The Moonshays are, like I said, a little bit monotheistic. They really just worship the Earth Mother and, mm. and her things. And so I don't think those two, the first circle of those old gods of, of the, the sort of Druidic religions, which uh, with humanity kind of marched uh, to the west with them. I think the Moonshays, they, they, however they got over there on the Moonshays, they started doing their own thing a long time ago, and they, they haven't looked back, really. Got so. it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Interesting. All right, well, uh, anything else that uh, pops up? Uh, I mean, I really like the idea of it being a, 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 uh, a Camelot kind of idea where, like, everything was, was going towards being a almost utopic society, and then it fell, and we're still in that same yeah. area. Yeah, and, and, it, um, and it's sort of, they, they sort of keep themselves that way in a way. So there's this idea, even in, in the original uh, Moonshade product, that they have things called coracles that they travel in. A coracle, if you don't know, is a boat that's like a, it's basically a one or two, maybe three, but you're pushing it, um, person boat. And it's mostly round-bottomed. It's made with, uh, like, uh, you know, wood and animal skins and, you know, tar to kind of make it, you know, uh, not leak as much. But it's super unsteady, and, and you, you basically have to be an expert at coracle, you know, piloting in order to not, like, just flip out at this thing. And it's a very primitive, basically, uh, you know, almost Stone Age type of technology. Right. And uh, if you look at um, places in the Moonshays where, the, you know, people are building structures, they're building structures that are in this almost Stone Age-like technology. Um, so the, uh, the, the people there are, when they aren't living with, in sort of the ruins of Camelot, essentially, they are, they are really kind of living still in the Dark Ages. Interesting. Um, and so it's a very different feel to the, the rest of the Forgotten Realms, I think. It's, it's much more, um, I would say, uh, low fantasy in the sense that it is, f- fantasy is, is sort of more fantastic because it's uh, more rare and more wondrous mm. um, than in 
the rest of the front rooms where, you know, you might go to Waterdeep and go be able to just like visit your local wizard and hire him to do something. That's certainly not something you can do in the Moonchase. So. Cool. And then the last question I want to ask you before we wrap this up is the werewolves that you mentioned. Yeah. Would this be a, I mean, is it a, 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 a good society of werewolves oh, in a way? Oh, no. No. So <laughs> in, in my mind, um, that's more like uh, if you've seen the, uh, the 13th Warrior mm-hmm. uh, and um, the, the sense that there are just these, these people, these uh, almost caveman-like people ruled by sort of you know, bestial passions oh, and okay. stuff like that. Um, yeah, if there are some settlements of the folk on uh, the uh, moray, and uh, and they are settlements that are under threat from from things like that, from the werewolves. You know, I see. Okay, is no tra- good. No good. All right, <laughs> but possibly a character you know could be uh, a. Uh, a good member of that society that has, you know, been able to sure, escape sure. away to go to the Baldur's Gate or Waterdeep and, yeah, and might know, be an if, adventurer. If you want to play the the fifth edition version of like a shifter or something like that, maybe you come from the Moray Isles or something like that. I, I'm sure that was probably suggested at some point uh, in the editions of the game, but yeah. Nice. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, and thank you uh, for that topic, uh, Buddy Unger. And uh, again, if you guys have any more topics, please uh, reach out to me, at Greg Tito on Twitter. And uh, uh, Matt, did you want to divulge your Twitter handle as well? People can maybe ask yes, you some questions. at Cernet, my last name, S-E-R-N-E-T-T. Awesome. Cool. All right, well, thanks. And uh, we'll be getting some more lore soon. All right. is uh, just the master of lore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes the lore. Oh, he really is. Yeah, he masters it. Yeah. And then he moves on. What a weird, cool job. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he knows all about... He knows all about a lot of things. Yeah. All of the things. Especially Star Wars, which uh, me and <laughs> me and Ryan uh, had a little off-mic uh, uh, discussion what? with Matt about Star Wars. Really disagree, Ryan? He, he was pretty vehemently disagreeing it. Really? Yeah. I love that Ryan, Ryan doesn't like talking. He only does his conversations in mime, which is my favorite My favorite part of we this whole thing. speak for you. He doesn't even like laugh with sound. <laughs> He's blowing his head up and then there's guts shooting out. Did you go, did you challenge him in some lore? No? No, no. It was, it was about uh, uh, Rogue One and uh, Darth Vader. But we'll get into that in, um, another, in another podcast. Uh, the yeah. other Star Wars podcast that I'm hosting. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> sure, i to call Disney. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we have an amazing interview, uh, which we're going to get to with uh, 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 the Experiment 7 guys. So let's yep. call them up on the telephones. Okay. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Yay, it's working. Cool Hello, thing. sir. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. And we're also here with Shelly. Hi, guys. Hey, Shelly. Hey, Shelly. How's it going? Good. Yeah. How's it going with you? We are at GDC Wait. Tap Dancing. Oh, all right. Showing off things. Nice. Uh, well, welcome to Dragon Talk. Uh, we uh, love to... Uh, uh, well, well, first of all, I want you guys to introduce uh, uh, yourselves in the company that you just uh, uh, announced. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. Hold on. Just getting a little more volume. Let's see. There's two of us here. Dimitri and I are the founders of Experiment 7. This is Jeffrey Zatkin talking. I've been in uh, doing video games as a pro for about 21 years. Uh, my first kind of big commercial game was EverQuest. I've done about a decade of MMOs. I was a designer on EverQuest and 2 and a whole bunch of others. 
I did about 10 years of video game market research, and now I'm starting up a new game dev studio with Dimitri, and I'm the creative director. So I'm in charge of uh, making it fun. <laughs> nice. Cool. No, uh, no pressure so, there. Sorry, Shelly. No, I said no pressure there. I'm yeah, in charge right. of making it fun. Oh, it's fun. Fun is hard work. It is. If I know. It was easy, That's what everybody I mean. would be having fun, and we just have a happy world <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> one one thing we know about the world is that everyone is is not yet having fun. But that that's because they haven't played Dungeon Chess. Uh, yes, anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, my name is Dimitri. Um, I've been in games for about 16 years. Uh, started out doing casual stuff. Then I wound up at uh, DC Comics making comic book video games, which was awesome. Uh, which is where we met. Yeah. Uh, and then um, made a bunch of casual games and mobile games and other games and then wound up at Zynga. Um, and uh, and then that was a few years ago and I was a consultant in, in AAA for a while, um, working on a lot of games that people have heard of and uh, that I wish I could talk more about, but I can't. And then- uh, <laughs> We'll get it out of you eventually. And then, yeah, Jeff, Jeff and I uh, uh, started this company about uh, two years ago, and um, we've been, you know, we've been kind of VR junkies now uh, for a while. Uh, but um, it it's great to be at the point where the, you know, where like the, this is actually a thing, right? You don't have to be like, well, VR stands for virtual reality. And that, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my mom has actually heard of VR at this point, which means it's got to hit somewhat mainstream. That is I pretty. Actually, yeah. I shouldn't say that. She's pretty. Uh, she's pretty with it. Yeah. Well, it is one of those things when you mentioned VR, and I was like, "Do we have?" I literally was like, "Do we have to explain it to someone?" I'm like, "No." Mm-hmm. I think at this point, it is. It's reached critical mass. People understand that. Like, you I put the things on. They and, know what it is, but it's still mm-hmm. like. <clears throat> I'm not speaking for myself, of course, <laughs> but some people might have a hard time. People, for instance, who have a hard time understanding time travel might also not understand VR. <laughs> yeah, which, which, by the way, is, is in the next build, but um, oh, we haven't got okay. that in the future stuff okay. quite yet. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, my mom bit, did but... ask me, what what is this VR? How does it work? And I had a really hard time explaining it to her. <laughs> All right, well, these are the guys are the experts. So, yeah. Yeah, why, so why? can you explain how it works to my mom, Judy? Sure. So what virtual <laughs> reality is, is you put on a headset that blocks all of your sight. You know, it's like putting on a big pair of ski goggles or a scuba mask. And by looking through the lenses there, instead of kind of like looking around the real world, you're completely seeing a virtual world. So you're in a virtual reality as opposed to the regular reality. And so it's kind of like looking at a screen with a TV or a computer game, except when you look around, everything you see is the game or the program or the movie. And the, the, way, that, uh, the way that that works is basically the same way that when you, when you move your iPhone around in, in Pokemon Go and you, know, you're, you see the Pokemon in some places but not in others, uh, because it can track the location uh, of where you're looking, that's the same. Uh, that's the same rough principle as as how it works in VR because it can track where you're looking uh, with the hardware. Uh, it knows where you ought to be looking in the virtual world of the game that you're playing or the or the app that you're using. Got it. All right. So you think you can tell yeah. Judy all that and I'll, will she still understand it? Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah, the short version is we're putting you in a cool new magical place. Okay. Well, that's true. Right. Uh, and you guys just recently, uh, uh, as we already mentioned, uh, uh, 
announced Dungeon Chess. A, yes. uh, and so tell us a little bit about that. Uh, and then after we get, you know, uh, uh, exhausted that topic, which I'm sure <laughs> will take three hours. Um, but then we, I want to talk more about your, uh, your Dungeons and Dragons uh, experiences. Oh, we can talk about both. But so Dungeon Chess is inspired by a whole bunch of other things. You know, it's watching Star Wars and, you know, Chewbacca and C-3PO playing. Yeah, it was what? R2-D2, man. Oh, to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you, well, don't front. C-3PO is the guy who's giving R2-D2 the advice to let them enough. Fair enough. It's true. They're playing, well, what's the name of it then? Dejarik. Dejarik. Or, you know, Harry Potter's, you know, Wizarding Chess. Or even old uh, video games like Battle Chess and Archon. You know, it's animating the chess figures. So what we kind of had an interesting design decision. We chatted about it a lot. But our version is, you know, it's cool animated figures fighting. But we also wanted to make a, ch you know, this is a chess game. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure that you could play it as a chess game. So that whether you're just kind of coming in for the cool VR spectacle. Or if you're a chess player who really likes D&D. Both of them work. Yeah. So it's very quick kinetic fighting actions. You pick up the pawn and she runs across the board or swings her sword or, you know, you that you really can kind of feel the action. But it's not like the old 25 second Final Fantasy cutscenes where, you know, you go and make a cup of coffee between it. Right. right. We, did, we, didn't, we didn't want to make it like, you know, Metal Gear Solid where where you have to watch a brief featurette mm -hmm. uh, every single time you do anything at yeah. all. Because regular chess players don't want that. So it's kind of our hyped up kinetic version of Dungeons and Dragons meets chess in mm -hmm. virtual reality. Okay, cool. And so I, I mean, I always went to Battle Chess, which was the the what, yeah. game in the eighties and nineties. Uh, uh, but that felt very much like the long cutscene that that you're talking about. So it's cool that right. this seems a little bit more fluid and kinetic, like as okay. as you're saying. This is that was really. I mean, Battle Chess is an amazing game and influenced us all. And somebody will probably make a game like that in the future. Mm -hmm. We wanted the, you know, we wanted the you can play in real time version of yeah. the game. Yeah. So it's it just it just kind of moves a little bit faster than that. And I mean, it's not an action game, but uh, yeah. but it it doesn't um, it doesn't sort of one of the other problems, of course, with uh, with with Battle Chess, if you played it like back in the day, like I played it on an Atari ST, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm dating myself here, but yeah, whatever. It's uh, okay. Mine was a Commodore 64. It's, oh, I had one. Oh. Yeah. See, I had an Apple IIe. Yeah. Uh, the the, um, the ST version, at least, mm -hmm. they, the characters only had maybe two animations, mm -hmm. um, and that which is fine if the animations only last a second or two. But if the animations last 15 seconds and you've got to see them, um, then it, it, it really sort of, well, what Battle Chess became used for, at least for me, was like, I had a friend that, you know, if every time I had a friend that came over that was like, wow, this computer looks nuts. What's it, it do? It looks so modern, like a Ford Taurus. Show me, uh, show me what it does. I had one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> the fleet of cars from Robocop, if I remember correctly, yeah, exactly. was but they know, looked futuristic. The first, time you, the first time you pick up one of our dragon queens and watch her, you know, rise up into the air and then fly across the board and flame something, Ooh. I won't lie. It's um, it's pretty magical. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we just had a, a video game industry legend in, in here, um, and uh, and he actually said, that's awesome when the when the dragon kind of popped up when when the his dragon queen piece uh, popped up and he 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 didn't see this of course because he had the VR headset on but uh, <laughs> but we were like literally fist bumping in the room because you know when someone who 
who worked on Archon uh, mm -hmm. is sitting there in the room telling you that 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 uh, that's awesome. You're like, wow. Oh, wow. I, I will take that compliment any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> and Archon was another one of those games I played on the Commodore oh, yeah. 64. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I, I said, the fun part is this has kind of been, you know, it's been in movies, it's been in books, it's been in video games. It's kind of just a pop culture idea at this mm -hmm. point. So this is our kind of, this is our D&D take of how virtual reality you know, fighting chess should be. Yeah. It's, you know, that's our dungeon chess. Yeah, you move your, your mind flayer rooks uh, to attack the pawns and see the, the animation happen, right? The mind flayers are bishops. Thank oh, you. I'm sorry. Oh, get it right. I would just put in a random piece, but that's awesome that they're the bishops. Yeah, that makes more sense because they're, you know. They're sly. They're they slashing. They through things, yeah. yeah. And, uh, they're diagonal. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing uh, about this is that, like, so Jeff and I are both huge D and D dorks uh, for, of of ancient vintage, and well, um, well, we can get into that in a minute. Well, yeah. but the reason I, I I brought it up is because when when you said, "Oh, it's cool that they're bishops," like we actually sat there and oh, yeah. talked about, <laughs> okay, what's the challenge rating of this piece, yeah. and should the you know because we didn't want to make a game in which you know you just packed everything in there that might be cool with no regard for Power is level. it going to be is it going to be weird if you see a drow taking down you a, know a dragon a tarask yeah uh, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so, it had to make sense at least in your in you yeah. know exactly. in your brain and i think there was one where we just said you know what Screw the challenge rating. Yeah, this, yeah. this piece we, is too cool. It we, has to go in. But yeah, I think it was the Beholder because like you can't oh, yeah. make a D and D yeah. game without a Beholder. It's, nice. it's one of, actually it was one of the unannounced pieces that broke it. So uh, oh really? Yeah, I'll tell uh -huh. you about. We will announce it at some point. But, uh, <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. All right. No secrets just, here. Just whisper it. Just whisper it. No one can hear. Tell us. <laughs> Nobody's listening. It's a D and D monster. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> Shelly's mind uh, cosplaying as a mind flayer right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can see tell that. me. That's the telepathy thing. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. She's casting psionic spells right now. Now she's probably casting active curses. At <laughs> You'll feel well, it. In like kind of three days, you're going to blurt oh. it out. <laughs> you're not even going to know why. Nice. So, like, okay, my, my mom has some questions. <laughs> Number one, are the sides – I never – I gotta admit, I've never played chess before. You've never really? played chess before. I've never played it before. All right, well, we have to play chess. Um, okay, well, well, we'll play dungeon chess. We'll play dungeon chess yeah. together. So, are the two sides already set? Like when you, like Greg and I play, or do we already so have chess our pieces? Teams? Have a, yeah, chess I, know, I know they're not called teams, but right. <laughs> yeah, chess pieces have a standard Shut setup. Up. You know, the pawns always go in the same place. The bishops, the queens. Okay. And what we've done is we've constructed two entire sets of pieces for the initial game where our basically our red team and our gold team. Okay. And so each team has all of the pieces, all of the pawns yeah. and the knights and the bishops and the rooks and the king and the queen. And they're different. Yeah, they're they're um, no not too much of a spoiler to say mm. that they're they're good aligned pieces mm. and evil aligned pieces. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, but we didn't want to um, we didn't want to make it so that you could only play uh, you know good versus evil. So you can actually take either one of those and make them the light pieces and or or the dark pieces. So they sort of have different colored you know accents in their in their uh, in their clothes yeah. or in their scales. Can you mix and match them? So like you're like, oh, I really want the beholder, but I also want the gold dragon. Currently, no. But we're we're kind of considering because. Um, 
some of the pieces are big enough that as we get them on the board, we need to make sure that their neighbors, you know, say the wings don't clip through the neighbor. Right. <laughs> that oh, makes sense. So you have to think of all these things that. Yeah, when you take it from the the piece yeah. that's a wooden carved piece to the actual animated thing, yeah, you oh, wouldn't even think about that. We have some great concept art that um, actually should be appearing in Dragon Plus that kind of helps detail our thought process of kind of moving from piece all the way through. But literally, as we were working on each concept piece, I had the artist basically take a clip art of the standard chest shapes there mm -hmm. so that as they were doing them, they were looking at what an actual chest shape. So like mm -hmm. if you look at our mind flayer and you look at a bishop, you'll notice, you know, bishops kind of get, they have a pointy semi-triangular conal head and it goes wide and then it narrows down and then the body flares again. And if you look at the shape of the mind flayer's head and then they're, what they're wearing, it has a resemblance to an actual silhouette of a bishop. Mm -hmm. And nice. we try to do that with every single piece so that it's not exact, but you know, when you when we do our rook reveal, you know, for the good side, you'll be able to look at it and you'll go, oh, I see where this was inspired from. Right. Mm. Yeah, there there are a lot of um there's a lot the one of the ways that that I kind of try to think of this is that it, it's almost like a, a collector's edition type of thing, right? Because um, when you, you, you could make uh, this game and not be a giant nerd about it, um, but well, why would you? Yeah, <laughs> it's also can? Not possible for me to do anything <laughs> without being a giant nerd, so. <laughs> yeah, no, you can. You had to do it this way. So, I mean, the, the other thing is that you guys uh, created a, a a game room essentially that's in yeah. in mm -hmm. virtual reality, which is really cool. Can you talk a little bit about that? Have have will will we have talked? Will it have been revealed by uh, by the time this airs? Good job, Tito. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. You know. I feel like it was in the press release, right? Then we were talking oh, yeah, about customizable right, world, right, a customizable right. game room, right? So here, let me pitch you then. <laughs> okay. So what we're making is we're making a series of beautiful rooms that you and your friends from anywhere in the world can all come into together. So you can, Dimitri can be in New York and I can be in San Diego and we can say, hey, let's go play a game of dungeon chess. And in the middle of each of these beautiful rooms is a magic table. And this magic table spawns cool games that are played on tables, of which dungeon chess is one of them. So the thing that um, the thing that I think would be neat for um, for the Dragon Talk listener is that the the room that's so every every game we're we're shipping with like unique special room that just comes with that game mm -hmm. and uh, the room that comes with um, the room that comes with Dungeon Chess is the Yawning Portal awesome. uh, or room in the Yawning Portal. Well, yeah, but you know you can see the rest of the bar mm -hmm. and um, of course you can see the portal itself. You can look around because this is VR, right? And it, it, it's uh, you can actually like see that awesome fireplace that's been in all those illustrations that looks like the big mouth opening and mm. and uh, we're we're uh, we're trying to get some little nods uh, to uh, to some um, uh, fun d and d you know characters and stuff in the background. There's a big mural on the wall. it's it's like, it's pretty cool. It, I mean, it's cool. basically like playing with this toy set that we've, as dungeon masters, that we've had access to for years, but as as game players and as game designers that we just never gotten to play with, and it's like the most fun thing in the world, right? All of a sudden, you've got the the yawning portal playset. Uh, yeah. How big uh, is the how big is the the actual physical area of that room? Like, could you get up and walk around that room so, as you're as you're trying to figure out your move of where you're going to so put your the room dragon is, queen? 
Yeah, so the room you're in, you basically, if you look at the layout of the Yawning Portal, the current edition, there's a couple of rooms in the corners. Mm -hmm. And for lack of a better word, I'm just calling them the corners because it's kind of the private private adventurer's suite. Right. And so that in of itself is about a 25 by 25 room. Mm -hmm. But you can kind of, there's a big open, like looking out under the rest of the floor because I think... You know, it's a couple hundred feet across. You know, the yeah. Omni Portal is pretty good size. Yeah, it's a big place. So, um, you know, what we're building for like full build build mm-hmm. is the room the player hangs out in with the ability to then look out into the main bar and creating a good portion of the rest of that. And and depending on which platform you're uh, you're playing on, um, you can you you know to your earlier question, Greg, you can either not move very much at all uh, <laughs> if, if you're playing on a phone. Um, or you can move a bit if you're playing on uh, on a desktop VR. Mm-hmm. But the more um, the sort of the more sensors you've got in your setup, mm-hmm. uh, the more you can get up. There's mm-hmm. there's there's not really a way right now that you can get up and walk completely around the table. Mm-hmm. But that would be weird anyway because the other person's avatar would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Okay. We're, we're oriented around, you know, a series of really cool seats and gathering everybody around the table to play games. You know, this isn't go run and skydive. This is gather with your buddies and play cool games on tables. Yeah, I just was feel, I'm trying to like connect the dot of like, oh, this is a hangout room mm-hmm. where you would all hang out. But it, it, it makes sense that they would all be, you know, seats at the table. Yeah, this is the private club hangout room. This is, you know, you and your seven or eight or, you know, cool buddies. Let's come right. and do this. Need like things together. Orcs getting bottle service. Right, I was going to say, you're getting... <laughs> Crystal. You have, you have your own wait staff. Yeah. You don't have to wait in line for yeah. beer. <laughs> Keep the mead flowing. Uh, I will, I will give some Tito's vodka just so everybody can have oh, some. Nice. <laughs> Velvet rope. I like <laughs> Nice. All right. Well, that sounds really exciting. I can't wait to. Uh, so, are are, are you? Uh, all right. Well, let's just get into like your your D and D cred. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Dimitri, where did you where did you you said you were been a D and D nerd for a long time. When did you start? Oh playing? yeah. Um, so uh, I think like like I've heard a lot of podcast guests on uh, on Dragon Talks say before, it was uh, my friend's older brother. Uh, so, you know, I was in, uh, you know, that kind of like version of D and D that you play when you're not old enough to play D and D where you just do anything and everything. And by the end of two hours, you've taken over the universe. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, so my friend and I, uh, learned that from his older brother when we were like six and, uh, and then, um, you know, after, after a while, uh, back in the late seventies and <clears throat> not old at all. Uh, <laughs> you, you could go around to garage sales and, you know, pick up, uh, copies of, of mold Bay basic or, or of the white box even, and, and just be, um, you know, just get, get started on your own. And so, yeah, I kind of went from playing with my, my friend's older brother to like our friends playing together with each other. And then, uh, when I was in when I was in middle school and high school, um, you know, after school, and there was actually a there was actually a club, the War Gamers Club at my school that um, that was uh, started by a guy who is very much in the the super old school like Gary Gygax vein. Um, you know, had been playing with uh, uh, World War II you know miniatures games forever, and when D and D came out, he was totally into it, which is 
which was great because it meant that my high school kind of avoided the satanic panic. Um, That's good. Yeah. It was nice because, you know, he was a history teacher. He had been there for a million years. So if he said – and he was also a coach. Um, so that made him even more important. Uh, of like a football, so football said, coach? Uh, I think he was a football coach, yeah. All right. Well, then, yeah, you get all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, free, free – All the credibility in the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. He's fine. And, and the fact that um, the fact that he was saying no, 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 this is good for them. That you know teaches critical thinking, and uh, and that was enough to get us through the the moments of uh, of protest by the the church group and stuff. But but yeah, I played you know all through high school and and uh, then a little bit in college, and then I you know sort of drifted away as many people do as I got into computer games and mm. and console games, and then kind of came back like 10, 10 years ago or so. And I've been, uh, I've been running a one E game, uh, with a bunch of my friends from when I was a kid, Ooh. uh, with the, the same books that we used when we were little. That is uh, cool. And, uh, and then, uh, when five E came out, it was, um, everybody really in my group, everybody like loved it and just wanted to jump on that train right away. So then I've got a one E campaign and a five E campaign going. That is cool. I think, well, how, how does it like going back and forth between the two of them? Because, uh, um, hard, uh, <laughs> as a, as a DM, I'm constantly being like, oh yeah, well, uh, you, you'll get advantage on this. No, you will not You will <laughs> get plus two. And that's an arbitrary rule. I've actually snuck a bunch of fifth edition stuff into first edition um, because I just can't live without it. No way. <laughs> really? Like advantage is one of those ones. Advantage is one of those. Yeah. yeah. And, um, well, as a game designer, advantage is such a good generic catch all. And it's so elegant, right? Yeah. Like the, the, it rather than me as the DM sitting there thinking like, geez, is this like a plus two or plus three? Yeah. You know, let's let's put that all aside, <laughs> right? And just be like, here, mathematically, maybe you'll do better. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The player feels good; they got an advantage they, mm -hmm. for doing a smart action. From a rule set, it's a plus ten percent. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, it it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even dis so, even at disadvantage, it's still good because you're still rolling more dice, and that always feels fun. Right. Everybody loves dice. Yeah. So yeah. So then, and then the only the only other thing I would say is that. Uh, since since we started working on this game, we've also had D and D at work, which is the single greatest thing that has ever happened. So you do like lunch breaks and do like that, or do you like no, long we sessions? We stay late on Wednesdays nice. and uh, and play deep into the night, too too deep for some of our our uh, coworkers train. <laughs> play drink beer. Yep. Take yeah. take photos and put them on Instagram. So Thursday mornings are not. Your best. That's when 8 a.m. meetings happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We try to schedule things a little bit uh, mellower on Thursday mornings. <laughs> and there's a lot of like post gaming. Um, the encounter with the um, the harpy that burst out of the ocean uh, last uh, in our last session was something that got a lot of play in the office the next morning. Sweet. Mm -hmm. It's Very good cool. team building for sure. Oh, yes. It really is. My team is built, son. <laughs> <laughs> it does make you look at people differently. Like, you know, like, I remember my first D&D &D game in the office. Like, I was really close with those people after we had played together for many, many, many months. You formed the bonds of adventure. Probably wouldn't have liked them otherwise. <laughs> 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 no, it was good. It really was. Yeah. No. So what about you, uh, you Jeff? Where did, where's your D&D uh, background history? Let's see. I've been playing since basic. 
I still have the red box somewhere. Nice. Um, I've played every edition. I was um, another buddy and I were basically the group DMs through junior high, college. I mean, junior high and high school. But I mean, we gamed act one summer. One summer, I think it was right before college when I think we were doing a campaign where we ran two eight-hour days a week because wow. everybody only had part-time jobs. Oh man! And because I actually didn't have one, I would write for a day what we'd play the next day, take a break, write for a day what we'd play the next day. And we did one of the most epic campaigns we ever did over the course of the summer because we played literally hundreds of hours. Oh, wow. The way through in my parents' garage. That was something I always liked about, I mean, I'm sure you saw uh, Stranger Things when it came out last summer, oh, but yeah. uh, the idea that they were playing for 13 hours or whatever one day, I was like, oh man, remember those you days? You remember those days. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> It, it's one of the ones that all my buddies and I who went through that still have the fond memories we talk about because we'll never be able to do that again. No. But, I mean, it was awesome where it happened and when it happened. And, um, you know, we still remember those characters. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say, was there some, like, formative things that happened there that, like, oh, you yeah. always harken back to? There were. And it was – I actually ran it um, – everybody started as, um, you know, first level – first second – I don't even remember first or second level, but – Everybody had been basically captured and sold to a gladiator arena. So they started, oh that was God. the party. They started off as a team of gladiators. <laughs> and nobody was allowed to start as a magic using class. And nice. so they were all warriors and thieves. And slowly magic got added to the campaign. And it was just, it was, it was a good unifying set. And every once in a while, part of the adventure was, and it's time for another gladiator battle. And they'd uh -huh. get matched up against another gladiator team, which, you know, the rival teams or others. And... They learned how to break out of the arena at night and go on other adventures and slowly became town heroes. And, you know, then, so, you know, it just it escalated from small time gladiator team to, you know, going around and saving the city. And then later, you know, to national events. And it was awesome. I love that. I love I that too. growth of, of, you know, going from urchins or, you know, someone who doesn't have any power to like the growth of yeah. uh, actually being able to affect nations. You should you should come by our work campaign because I, nice. I, I I'm basically in the state of just uh, going from urchins to different kinds of urchins <laughs> to worse smelling urchins. But, that's um, the other that's the other brand that's of D and uh, D where it's like murder hobo to murder hobos. Yeah, yeah. yeah finishing it off, you know, in college I uh, you know there the college I went to was we had a fantasy guild. They were called the Fantasy Guild, and it was all the role playing. And you know I ended up being president of it for two years and. You know, what did you run on? What was your what was your platform for running to be the president of the? Uh, <laughs> what was your slogan? <laughs> um, <laughs> make Faerun okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's see. That would have still been third edition at that point. Um, no, we did just a whole bunch. Are you of about people. to bust something out in Elvish? No, <laughs> I'm trying to think if we. I mean, it was such a good group, but you know. <laughs> We played, but you know, we played everything. We, you know, that was the first edition of Vampire. We were playing Cyberpunk and Shadowrun and D and D. You know, it was kind of the heyday of, oh man, look at all of these amazing games. Right, you yeah, can throw I different was, genres at it. I was a huge uh, Marvel superheroes guy. That was yeah. See, that well, was I played band. Champions, and you played Marvel. Yeah. See, I like Champions because I'm a system. I, I loved stats and core, but mm -hmm. probably my favorite experience coming out of all of that was. You know, in my early 20s, I started working on MMOs. I was one of the original designers on EverQuest, you know, with it. But, you know, that's a team thing. You know, that takes a lot of people to do. But, you know, we actually went up and took a tour of WotC like a year and a half after 
No, wait, that we wouldn't have been playing third in college because third edition came out uh, like a year and a half after EverQuest because I remember when we yeah. went up, the people playing it or making third edition had been playing EQ. And, you know, we'd obviously been hugely influenced by EverQuest when we made, you know, by Dungeons and Dragons making EverQuest and seeing little pieces of things we'd worked on get subtly influenced into third edition Ooh. was just me one of the awesome things. It's like, you know, it's everybody iterates off each other. Now, really, was it awesome or were you a little like, oh, man, it was awesome. that's my stuff? No, I mean, little things like, you know, I, I, I helped make the bards in EverQuest, you know, I, a party-based, you know, a class that buffed a party. Mm -hmm. That was the whole design of it. And watching bards in second edition, or at first, they weren't really in second up until you got to the Thieves' Handbook, mm -hmm. go to a party-based buffing class was, you know, directly off of some of the work I'd done. You know, they obviously didn't copy it. They took it and they made it D&D. &D. You know, yeah, it yeah. was a fully D&D &D implementation. But watching the influence of that was cool. Yeah. That's that's one of the great things about um, about being in in the video game industry um, and and in you know the tabletop game industry too because there's actually a lot of overlap. A lot of the same people uh, work in both. Is that there there is, I mean, with with a few exceptions, there are very few times that you're thinking, hey man, that guy, you know, um, you know, he's he's he's, he's using my junk, uh, but. <laughs> In this um, in this field, it's it's like uh, you know if you if you find out that um, that a game that you know that like Mike Selinker worked on uh, uses something that you came up with in a in a previous iteration of another game that was based off of some work that Jeff Grubb had done, like all of that kind of stuff, yeah. it, it it all feels like someone's you know uh, unlocked an achievement like the fact that i'm allowed to say all those people's names um, <laughs> is is amazing for me that is amazing I, I remember even just you know seeing names pop up and credits i was well, i'm one of those guys who like actually reads the credits for for video games in addition oh, to yeah. to tabletop games so i'd be like oh and that name was the guy and then i'd be like no that can't be the same person who worked on that i'm like oh my god it is the same person it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh parts about the industry and getting old you know Getting older in the industry, I've been in the game industry, you know, a bit over two decades now is, you know, I've worked with some of the people I idolized as a kid because mm -hmm. they're still in the industry. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's cool because it's a big industry, but it's also a small industry. Yeah. yeah. And there's just there's some pretty neat people in it. And it's it's fun to, you know, and that's part of the fun part about doing, you know, a, I've always wanted to make an official D&D game, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to add my tiny bit officially to the D&D canon somewhere. Because, you know, I grew up playing this. Dimitri grew up playing. You know, yeah. most mm -hmm. of the people we work with grew up playing either this or games like these. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is just, you know, this is kind of a love letter to some of that. Yeah, just being able to, I mean, I, I don't know how, like, Inside Baseball we're allowed to get about about the development of this. but Go for it. Go it, as, there, inside. There was, a, there was a moment where we were, um, you know, where we we had asked the some of the folks on the team that were working on the Yawning Portal, mm -hmm. uh, on the book, on uh, Tales from the Yawning Portal, mm -hmm. like, Hey, have you got a floor a floor plan of the of the yawning portal? And they sent us like a they had to make one, and 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 then there was a minute in there where we were like, oh well, if only this room was over here. And yeah. so you sent you sent a note. Yeah, or I, I um I re-photoshopped I photoshopped one part of their floor plan and said, guys, if you could just add it a little more like this for us, it'd make it really it'd make it easier to build in virtual reality. 
And and it happened, right? Nice. Like it changed. Remodel. <laughs> if only it it's was like uh, it's like you were, you know, you're you're calling up uh, Michelangelo, and you're like, actually, David had brown <laughs> hair, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, it and it was actually was way bigger. A shirt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and from their point of view, they're probably like, yeah, we can make that room ten feet bigger. That's fine. Right. But we're like, well, we changed it. Woo! Yeah, yeah. You guys changed the remodeling you're of the part Iron of Portal. The yeah. Well, it's just when you and it's funny. You'll see when you get into one of our rooms that the room we're building, if we built it on the original scale, would have felt cramped. Right. Where with the extra literally 10 feet, it feels like a nice, spacious room. And that's we know that because we've been building other rooms in VR and so could say, hey, for this implementation, this is going to make it better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, we like better. Yeah. Better's good. <laughs> We can do that. I love that that uh, uh, feedback between uh, Dungeons and Dragons and the, and the other partners that we work on. It ends up being like this. I mean, you know, even when there isn't a partnership in place, but like there's that feeding of of everybody inspiring each other and going forward. But when there is that close working relationship, like we do have w with you guys, like we have with uh, uh, the the cryptic team who's working on Neverwinter, everybody all it rises all ships so that everybody's like, oh, what about this cool idea? And what about this yeah. cool idea? And it just keeps getting higher and higher up the ladder until we have the greatest game that's ever made by humans. Oh, yeah. Which we haven't had yet, but it will but eventually come. Can I the fact that I have three max level characters in Neverwinter, or is that a bad thing? <laughs> you totally should. And then we got to make sure, I, I'm sure you know Thomas Foss, but I'm, we just talked to him uh, on last week's episode. Oh. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. We, we met him last year. That's right. He's a very nice guy and extremely dapper. Yes. That's my impression of him, too. Um, he he was wearing a a, a a lovely waistcoat at the time that oh, I met. Oh, that guy! Yeah, yes. <laughs> no, he, was awesome. he was awesome. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I'll next time I talk to him, I'll be like, "You're known by your waistcoat." Yeah. <laughs> I think that you guys are rather dapper too. Well, you know, we try. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm I'm from New York, uh, and and uh, and live there still, and uh, you know, you can't. Mm -hmm. You can't uh, uh, walk out in, if if it's if it's after five o'clock. You got to be in a tuxedo. I mean, this is right. we're not we don't live in a barn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Black tie <laughs> always. Having grown up playing cyberpunk and you know embracing their one of their maxims of style over substance, while I'm a huge <laughs> believer in substance, you know I did take a little bit of that on that. Well, you might as well have a little style as you go along. <laughs> a little, right? Yeah, it it helps. It helps. It yeah, helps. for sure. Uh, so you guys are actually at GDC right now, is that right? Are yes. we literally just finished pitching somebody for some work we're doing to help bring more cool stuff in? Yeah, and, and then we're like, and now it is time to talk to the dragons. That's so cool. The dragons. Yeah. yeah that's, see, what the dragons? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Dimitri has to put up with my awful sense of humor, and it's um, <laughs> your your wife was uh, actually <laughs> it was like, how how do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> my so wife bad. was amazing, but occasionally didn't quite realize what she was marrying into. <laughs> oh my! No, she she went in with open eyes for sure. Mine was she, the same. I actually was like in a in probably the period of my life before when I was dating my wife and uh, before we got married. I probably was the least dorky. It's like the least oh. dorkiest period of my life because I was I was doing lots of theater and I was you know that's your least dorky. I moved, well, I moved. <laughs> we both had theater in our background. And then we moved to New York and we were just make, trying to make a living there. And uh, and then it was after I got married that I was like, you know what, I'm, I can play D and D. Yeah, I can do that. I live on my own and I can play Dungeons and Dragons. And I, <laughs> I already snagged this girl. So. Yeah, and and to this day she's like, you tricked me. You totally tricked me. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, yeah. I knew you played games, but I didn't know you played Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> That, um, you got a ring. That, that reminds me of something that I would be completely remiss if I didn't say. So I What's was that? on 
I was on my second date um, with with my now wife, and uh, I was uh, we were walking down the street, and and I said something snarky, and she said, "You fiend," and I said, "Oh, you know, it's it's really funny." Every time um, I hear that, I can't I can't stop but thinking of the fiend folio, and I I'm waiting like that was I didn't do this intentionally, but in a, in a way you're like. Is she going to know what I'm talking about? Right. You're like, can I drop the signal so that she gets the quote? The secret hand. So, and she's like, that was the one with the gif Yankee on the guy. And I was like, <gasps> no. That um, happened. And you married yeah, her immediately so, on the spot? I hope so. Um, I, I Very, very shortly thereafter. <laughs> <laughs> Date number three. You're like, all right, we're in. Uh, no but yeah, way. so she's been in. She's been in my gaming group, and I and we play. You know, she's in the one e group and the five e group, and uh, we play quite a lot together. That's, That's awesome. fantastic. That's so good. Do you have kids, either of you? You know, we're like the only two people that we know that don't. Yeah. That's why you sound so happy and up <laughs> <laughs> and full of energy. <laughs> I have two young nieces and two young nephews, though, so I get to go corrupt them and then oh. come back and have my own gaming time still. So I can hear uh, all that discretionary income <laughs> jingling in your pockets. <laughs> I have a dog. That's about, that's about, I haven't taught her how to play D&D, but um, uh, she's one of those dogs that's supposed to be very intelligent, except for when you're telling her to stop doing something. Right, mm. right. That's when they get their like, uh, uh, you know, uh, selective hearing, rebellion streak yeah. going. They're like, we yeah. don't have to because we're, we're not we're, my real dad. We're smart. <laughs> You're not my real dad. <laughs> well, now we need to stage like a dogs playing D and D photo. Oh my I god! I think there, there is, is one. one. There is like a painting yeah. that's like the dogs, like the playing, dogs poker. playing poker. Yeah. yeah. I think cats. Cats like D and D. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, there's a fantastic. I can't even remember what it was. If you look it's on Pinterest somewhere, somebody made a fifth edition D&D party out of different cats. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. You you pranked me with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Would you remember where the artist is from? Um, hit me up after. I, I think I still have links somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I, I've definitely still got it. Cause so the way that uh, the way that I saw this thing was <laughs> uh, we were putting together a pitch uh, to to work with you guys and. Um, and uh, he, we, you know, so we had all of this concept art that we had done that was like, this is what a D&D party, you know, can look like. And this is what, you know, this awesome D&D party would look like in VR. And I got this, um, this zip file that was like um, new revision of, uh, of adventuring party. And I open it up and it's all, it's all cats, the entire <laughs> thing. Um, That's so but they're good. gorgeous. And I'm like, Trying to think, is he, is is this for real? Like, do we, I guess we could. For real? And I was just sitting there like, <laughs> I wonder how long he'll keep doing this before I have to say something. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I don't know if it's the same artist, but for the, for the next cover of Dragon Plus, actually, uh, uh, our inspiration issue, one of them is uh, from a Korean artist mm -hmm. uh, who uh, uh, painted a series of cats as D and D characters. Uh, so, good. so now I'm wondering if it's the same, the same it artist probably is, but uh, we'll, we'll, we will definitely have to check. And so, cause if not, you need to see this other batch. Yeah. yeah. And, and plus you can, uh, because of the, because of movie magic, you can just edit it. Once you know that this actually happened, you can go back and touch up the, the dragon talk with, <laughs> yes, it was the same artist. <laughs> Editing. Who does editing? <laughs> I know. Now I'm like I'm imagining us in like motion capture suits and stuff. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
Shelly's got the ping pong balls all over. And, and, and we can go back to that one moment where you said she was cosplaying as a, as a, um, mind player, mind player. Yeah, yeah. And, and get the tentacles moving. Okay, good. All right, we can we can make this all happen. And then the next uh, uh, iteration of drag, uh, dungeon uh, dungeon chess will have uh, cats as as the heroes. Yeah, yeah. As the avatars. As the yeah. avatars. We do have oh, cat avatar. That, we do have cat avatar. Yeah. So when when you're playing the game, of course, you're in VR. So we, you know, your head is being tracked. If you know, if you have touch controllers, your hands are being tracked. So we've. Um, you can see the uh, the other player whether or not they're. You know, if they're on a phone and you're on a, a Oculus Rift or whatever, you can still see them moving around. Right. Um, and and since you can see people and hear their voices, it it really changes that that sense of like I am actually with this other person. But of course, we don't you know we don't try to map people's real faces in there because that would be super creepy. Uh, yeah, you'd hit the uncanny valley pretty hard. Ha- yeah, we, yes. we, we don't want creep. In fact, that was actually one of our design goals on avatars was no creepy factor. Yeah. So cats. So instead, yeah, instead cats. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there are there are a whole bunch of different masks that uh, that you can use, and uh, and one of them is a is a is like a chibi cat mask. I love it. I love it. Cool. All right. Well, I can't wait to uh, to experiment with this. Uh, do we know experiment, experiment seven like that, with this? I like that fun, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> End of next month. Good one. Yeah. Um, so do, are, you guys, are you guys able to talk about when it will be out yet? When is it coming? It, it's coming out um, sometime in the next month or two. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, for those of us with, uh, with VR, we'll go and check it out. But if not, you should get VR so that you can play Dungeon Chess in a virtual reality place. Yeah. In, in the VR yawning portal. In yeah. the VR yawning portal, exactly. And the yawning portal, I have to say, we've been working, I was working on it earlier today, is shaping up awesome. Oh, God, Ooh. it's so pretty. I can't wait. <laughs> well, thank Sweet. you guys so much uh, for taking the time out of your G- busy GDC schedule. I wanted to pick your brain about what uh, stuff you're going to go see, but I think we're out of time, so I'll have to get that offline. Well, the, the quick answer is more people in our meeting room to take a look at <laughs> So no, no panels or uh, anything for you uh, then? I'm giving a talk Wednesday morning called Awesome Video Game Data Ooh. Um, because I give a talk every year on cool data trends in the game industry. Um, so Other than that, we, yep. we are chained to this, to this desk by virtual reality chains. Nice. nice. Well, I hope more uh, video game luminaries drop by and uh, uh, you know open up their minds to be like, this is awesome, so that you guys continue to, to, to indeed yeah. make it as awesome as it can be. We Can't like wait. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll Thanks, talk to you guys. soon. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was a good interview. My mom will be so pleased. You have so much knowledge to impart to her now. I'm just going to have her listen to the podcast. Does she listen to the podcast? I don't think she knows about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you had all these questions about virtual reality, Mom. Here you go. I know. I did this for and you. she's going to so be like, how know. did that sound like you? What are you and You're not nice going to even Greg tell her that doing? it was you? No. Oh. Am I nice, Greg? Mm-hmm. That's I'm not, what she calls you. I'm not bad, Greg? No. Do you have a bad Greg in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Taken. Dang it. All right. I don't know why you're nice, Greg. Oh, well, since I'm not a nice person, according know. to my wife, uh, ever, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, uh, all right, well, cool. Um, well, I was, that was really fun talking with those no, guys. They know Very so, enthusiastic. so much about uh, uh, Dungeons & Dragons. They've got such cred. They were playing in the, you know, before I was born, feels like. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to throw that out there that I'm not as old like, as some of you people. But, like, uh, Jeffrey is all, like, president of the Fantasy Guild. Like, oh, that's so cute. That but is, then he got a job at EverQuest, so 
Yeah. I mean, with many other yeah steps in between, of, probably. Yeah. No, it was I know, the fantasy. I wanted to ask film. him about the. I know. The steps in between. Like all that's of our a interviews, sweet gig. it went by really fast. I know. We got to have them on again. Okay. And we'll uh, we'll pick their brains even more. Okay, and then we'll yeah. find out what they did at GDC. Yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And the EverQuest stuff. Like I mean, I, I wanna, know. I, I want to delve know more into like that. learning more about like. Yeah. He just kind of threw that in there. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's one oh, of yeah. the. What did you say? First designers, I main designers, the one lead of the first designers, lead yeah. designers, yeah, of ever. Oh, okay, yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tales from the Awning Portal is coming out soon. Uh, uh, March twenty fourth, it'll be out Ooh, in that is soon. in uh, game stores, and then April fourth, widely after that. Okay. Uh, Dungeon Chess is coming in the next few months on uh, a couple of VR platforms. Um, so go check that That's out. Really cool. uh, the Experiment Seven guys have been working really hard, and the things that I've seen, which are also secret, look amazing. So uh, also not just in virtual reality; they just look amazing in general. But once you put on the headset and actually enter uh, real life, as I like to call it, it's it's you're it's, confusing me now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my mom, you're confusing Judy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Judy that's confused. It's not us, right? <laughs> Shelly, where can they find out and ask you questions about Judy on uh, Twitter? Oh, I would love to talk about Judy. You can find me on Twitter at Shelly Moo. And uh, you can find me. I'm at Greg Tito. You can uh, tell us some fun stuff that we can talk about on Dragon Talk going forward. Explain VR to my mom. Yes. Please, we need about like a series of tweets about that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, of course, you can find out about Dungeons and Dragons at DungeonsandDragons.com and uh, follow them on Twitter, wizards underscore DND. Uh, Trevor is uh, cooking up some fun stuff on that thing, so you can check it out there. And then, of course, uh, every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch, uh, the Watsi underscore D&D Twitch channel. Uh, you can watch Chris Perkins uh, take a illustrious group of uh, folks, adventurers known as the Waffle Crew, uh, through some Storm King's Thunder. Uh, they have concluded um, all of the, uh, or, or the content that they were tackling for Curse of Strahd, and now they're jumping into uh, the Giants and all that they can do, uh, and uh, it's amazing. Um, so go check that out. Dice Camera Action, Tuesdays, 4 p.m. Twitch. Make it happen. Okay. All right. All right. I love you guys. Aw. Yeah, I really do. That's really sweet. Not you in the room, but no, the, the listeners. I know. Yeah. I know who you were talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Matt's and, and Ryan's is totally mad now. He's like, I'm, I'm upset. I don't care either, Ryan. Cares. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> we're crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.